Welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I am John Biggs. Today on the show, we have Rob Anderson, founder of Convergent Media Group. This is Technotopia. Technotopia is brought to you by Happy Fun Corp. Happy Fun Corp is a design-driven technology company in Brooklyn, New York, that specializes in building mobile and web applications for startups and Fortune 500 companies. Whether it's a new mobile or web application that will help people experience the internet in a fun new way, or software that will interface with a new piece of top-secret hardware, Happy Fun Corp is always up to the challenge. Big or small, Happy Fun Corp loves building software and loves working with great people. Come build with them. HappyFunCorp.com Welcome to Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. Today on the show we have Rob Anderson. He is the founder of Convergent Media Group, and he was the uh, former creator of MTV in Russia. So he's going to talk to us a little bit about media, the future of uh, videos. Uh, can we talk about that, like uh, like music videos? Sure, we can talk about anything you'd like, John. <laughs> is, is, there a future, future, <laughs> is there a future in music videos? Uh, well, first of all, with MTV, um, I'm not the creator, but I was on the, the team that established MTV in You were the creator. You flew out there, you made it, and then you flew back. You were like the, uh, you're like the Jason Bourne of, uh, of Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, I, I actually, uh, if, I was, uh, if I did that, then I wouldn't still be there. But uh, <laughs> you know, this is all going on eight, 19 years now in, uh, in Russia. So, but yeah, I mean, we can talk about uh, media, we can talk about uh, videos, uh, whatever you'd like. So, sure. Uh, you wanted to talk about the... The future, what does the future look like in 20 years? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, uh, I can say just to start off, um, I think it's, uh, I'm cautiously optimistic um, because what we do, what my company does now, uh, we're a, a digital ad agency and we get to play with some of the world's biggest brands. And what we're doing now is uh, we're doing a lot of, uh, we're doing some IoT projects. We're doing um, a lot of um apps uh, and a lot of new technology. And so I'm getting to see kind of a bird's eye view of how is technology actually influencing our experience as consumers and as you know, citizens of the world. Um, so starting off with just from that perspective, um, IoT is truly changing and disrupting everything. And uh, that's you know, your experience with uh, TechCrunch and Disrupt. Um, you, you have replete experience with that. But uh, from what I'm seeing inside of the company, working together with some of the big multinationals, um, it is really exciting. Um, something that I envisioned 20 years ago when I was th first thinking about starting this company was the idea of um, things like technologically enabled, uh, like internet enabled refrigerators that you close the door, it scans all the barcodes and actually has recognition of what you have in your refrigerator. And it starts to learn and track what you're consuming and then spits it back out as a monthly list that is, that is um, delivered to your smartphone. Mm -hmm. Things like that, Th things that are, are going to happen and in many cases are happening. This is the thing that gives me a little bit of optimism for us being the masters of the technology instead of Skynet becoming self-aware. Okay, so you're so you're more excited about the refrigerator, uh, the refrigerator figuring out what's inside itself. <laughs> that's that's one example, but um, the things that I'm excited about are when technology is actually going to you know I don't want to just say change our lives, but make things easier. Um, but the philosophical question that is making me a little bit less optimistic 
is when you're looking at, okay, so this new technology, this new disruptive um, advance in, uh, in technology or application of technology, that is now going to free up 15,000 jobs in an entire industry around the world. Mm -hmm. What do you do with those people who are essentially redundant? And that's the biggest question that, as an employer, we have about 150 people uh, on my payroll now. Um, that is going to be going inching toward 300 within the next nine months. And my question is, you know, for me as a participant in the technology development, what is going to happen to those people whose, um, whose jobs are going to be eliminated? And that's the philosophical question that I have. Um, I'm, I want to see those people. I want to see a, a development, you know, socially for people wanting to take those free jobs or take those, those free people and actually go and educate them. And I, I don't see it happening on a social level, and I don't see it happening among the people who, you know, I, I don't see them wanting to go and get re-educated, retrained, and to learn new, new technology. Mm -hmm. It's you know, what we hear and what we see, especially in the media, is they took our jobs, you know, and that's, that's what we see all the time. So that's the thing that makes me a little bit less optimistic. But um, I, I don't see Skynet taking over the world, becoming self-aware, and then blowing us all up. So okay, so we're not so we don't have to worry about the dystopian. But I think I think what you just you're talking about is is something that we've talked about a few times on here. One of the one of the uh, one of the things that we always talk about is the the future for self-driving cars. It's going to replace millions of car uh, of drivers. So essentially, the the biggest job between eighteen and thirty five is is driving, driving trucks, driving everything. Yes, and <clears throat> it goes. And we're that's about to go away. We're going to have quantum computers that are going to be able to route our 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 car from point A to point B seamlessly, and you just have to sit there and just read a book or whatever. But you're yes. actually talking about some other jobs that are even a little more specific, uh, including advertising, including marketing, including, mm -hmm. I would even argue, media. Uh, you could get a robot to write some of the garbage that we write. And, heck, they could even do a podcast like this. So what is, what's the solution there? Do we enter, like, a... Uh, a brave new world where everybody's sort of just at, at leisure or do we have to fight for work? Well, this, um, I, I think it was a freak and somebody who said uh, that, uh, and I guess it was 50 years ago, he said 50 years in the future, um, we're going to be, we as humans are going to be working no more than 15 hours a week and that will be enough to earn enough money to sustain us. And um, because technology will be so advanced that we can then devote our time to intellectual pursuits and making ourselves smarter. And we don't see that happening. Uh, we don't see, you know, in terms of you know, governments and um, social structures, we don't see um, the infrastructure put in place to allow people to affordably gain this knowledge. And then on the other side, you have free education yeah, and whether it's through YouTube or whether it's through um, inexpensive online universities, there is a, an abundance of information out there. But the question is, is it, is it good information? Is it real information? Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, what I see happening, and again, this is, this is my optimistic view, what I'm very much hoping will happen, is that we start to take, you know, we take this global economy now that everybody on planet Earth is interconnected. You've got the uh, UN, who is a couple of years ago declared access to the internet as an inalienable human right. 
which is fantastic. But with this interconnectivity, what I see ideally happening is something akin to the Myers-Briggs test, um, where people reach a certain age. You know, today it's I get my driver's license when I'm 16 or 18, depending upon where you live, and that's the rite of passage. I think that. Ideally, what I would love to see is uh, you get to a certain age, and probably nowadays it's probably going to be 12 or 13 years old. You take a Myers-Briggs test, which says, this is how I perceive information. Mm -hmm. This is how I learn. And then you take a skills test. This is what I'm good at. And something, um, it would have to be a skill test that I have not yet seen, which, you know, it tests math skills, math tests uh, critical thinking skills, and, and tests what you're naturally inherently good at. And then filters that through a program which would ideally say, okay, here are the 15,222 jobs that your skill sets, um, that your skill set matches. And then you filter through that and, you know, you have an 80% match and you're 20% match and, and you go through all of those jobs that you could do and you take, and then you take a further kind of an interest test. You read a little bit about those jobs and you see what really sparks your interest. Mm -hmm. And that's something that if we're talking about the, the proper application of technology into our lives, this is what I see happening. Um, in the best application of technology to allow people who today may be driving a truck, but tomorrow, because I mean, you know, let's face it, we've got taxi drivers all over the world absolutely pissed off because they've spent uh, an inordinate amount of their time and energy to become licensed taxi drivers. Look at the guys in London who have to study for two years and take a, a rigorous test to be able to memorize things. And then an Uber driver, he buys a Toyota Corolla and you know pays a minimum amount of insurance and you know he has a gps and boom he's a taxi driver and the 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 people who are going to be pissed off tomorrow who need to be retrained and need to find what are their skills and what else could they be doing productively to feed their families um those are going to be the uber drivers mm -hmm. uber drivers are the next next generation of people in an industry who are going to be pissed off because um, you know, I understand taxi drivers be feeling disenfranchised and then because of the Uber drivers and then the Uber drivers when the, uh, you know, when the Johnny cab actually works. Oh, shit, that's my second reference to a Schwarzenegger <laughs> Anyway, um, but anyway, when, when that happens, when we have uh, driverless cars, when that actually happens, um, the Uber driver is going to be the ones pissed off. How am I going to feed my family? But I think that the thing when I said in the beginning, cautiously optimistic, I believe that, that the Uber drivers are going to have a simpler transition. And if you provide people like the Uber drivers and the other people's who, people whose uh, jobs are being eliminated uh, or simplified mm -hmm. or automated, um, if you provide those folks with a test, you know, Myers-Briggs already exists, then a skills assessment test what are you actually inherently good at what do you how do you learn and then take the results of that test to give you a list of possible jobs and possibly even careers because right now um, a career is you know they're saying that uh, somebody who is enters the workforce in 2016 will have four to six careers throughout their lives 
and that's not how people of our generation defined a career. So um, that's what I would love to see happening in terms of uh, these folks who are losing their jobs and their jobs are simply being eliminated. Hmm. Okay, so basically like a, I mean, that's, that's, that's one of those fairly normal sci- uh, sci-fi tropes where you basically have a, <clears throat> a method for figuring out what kid is going to be good at what, right? Mm-hmm. So the yeah. so, mm-hmm. so the mission exactly. there is so the mission there is to to do it early, so that that changes almost exactly. everything. That changes education. That changes, uh, that changes the way we even think about jobs. It changes the idea like could could I become a writer in that sort of world? Would I be able to pull mm-hmm. that off, or would I have to be would I have to be a I don't know a, a, a massage therapist if that's what I was good at? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, but again, it's not uh, the, the, my vision of this skill test or this learning ability test. Um, my vision is not just to give you, okay, here are the three jobs, to give you a list of jobs that where the different skills you possess intersect mm-hmm. and where you can have a, a choice of literally 15,000 jobs. And each job, you know, it compares it to your exact learning or brain profile and it it matches you in such a way that okay this matches your learning profile uh by 82 percent or something mm-hmm. and then you start off at the 100 percent and then you go down so that that's the opportunities that i see because we do have a global economy everybody is connected through social media and other media and we maybe the person that you need if you're sitting in philadelphia and you're looking for somebody who's going to be a developer or something, uh, maybe that person is actually sitting in somewhere in Africa. And maybe you can, you know, the, the ideal way for an employer like myself to search for people is to not search for general um, interests or general experience, but instead of experience, you start searching for specific learning types and learning skills. And... Maybe those skill-based people are not on the same continent. Mm-hmm. So that becomes a really interesting um, uh, kind of a human resourcing um, option to not be bound by geographies. But then, uh, because we employ people, uh, we have a um, total of uh, four offices, and we employ people in those offices, but we also employ people who are halfway around the world, who some of which started with us in one of the four offices, and some of the people who we've never actually physically met, but who have been employees for us for seven, eight, nine years. So I, I would love to see some sort of facility where I might be able to go and source those people, not based on experience or names of companies they've worked for, but based on learning ability and skills. It's just that I'm lacking that piece in between. You're lacking the ability to assess a human being for their learning ability and skills, which I think is actually really accurate. I don't think I don't think we have those tools yet that are available. Exactly, but with all the I mean, look, if we can completely disrupt an entire industry that has existed for a thousand years, taxi drivers, if we can do that in ostensibly five years, um, we should be able to tap the um, psychological experience of uh, folks who are, whether they're working in universities or they're working in HR firms or something, there should be something that within a relatively short period of time, 
um, something we would be able to develop to be able to actually assess those skills mm -hmm. and at least somewhat accurately be able to match the skills with a request for a job. Interesting. Then we need a VoIP camp test to, to make sure that they're not uh, robots. The replicants. Yeah, yeah we, we, we don't want any replicants. But uh, frankly, you know, some of those replicants, they seemed pretty cool. So I think, I think, I think the point here is that a lot of the, the when I first started this thing, I, I, I wanted to avoid the idea that we're going into a, like a sci-fi dystopia. And I actually want to move away from sci-fi. But actually, if you really mm -hmm. think about what you're saying, all of these things have appeared before. This, these, are, these are human memes. These are tropes that have, that have appeared in, in sci-fi over and over again. And in truth, they could start being implemented fairly easily over the next couple of years. It's really going to be hard to get the idea of education, the way education is done now, out of people's heads. It's going to be very, very difficult. Yes. Uh, the Uber, the Uber slash taxi drivers are going to be a little bit easier because eventually, just everybody's just going to switch. There's going to be a there's going to be a uh, thing, but you really don't know where that where that um, avalanche of change is going to come in terms of education. But education yeah, exactly. in terms of assessment, in terms of uh, in terms of how we interact with each other online and in the world, uh, all that's coming to fruition, and it's and it's coming very very quickly, and it's all it's all basically sci-fi stuff. The, you, you hit the nail exactly on the head because um, there's a a great um, documentary that I saw a couple of years ago, and um, it has the most ridiculous name in the world. Um, but uh, it was originally this is the story that I heard from some friends of mine in Hollywood. They said that um, there was this uh, young man who was uh, had this great idea for a uh, documentary film, which talked exactly about this, how technology that is shown in fantasy and sci-fi actually becomes reality through reverse engineering. So the concept, the seed was planted by the sci-fi TV show or movie or something, and then somebody kind of figured out, well, how do I actually do that? And uh, originally, apparently, the title of the film was How Star Trek Changed the World. Mm -hmm. And um, and it was the concepts were great because... You look at you know the the idea of the, the guy who actually invented the cell phone, who worked eventually for Motorola. His he saw that, and he was you know 1966. He looks at the original Star Trek series, and he starts thinking, okay, so they go down to a planet, and they open up their communicator, and they start talking to the ship, and they start talking to each other. How would that actually work? What would have to happen? And from there, he developed the concept of well, if we built cells that would basically hand off the signal from one cell to another, and then they would be interconnected, and then up through a satellite, the satellite could be beaming the signal from the, the, the planet up to the ship, and that's how we could, could make these, these communicators work. Mm -hmm. And it took through, I mean, everything through MRIs and a bunch of other technology that was reverse engineered from um, television shows. <laughs> and they obviously they went to Bill Shatner and said hey can you um, could you be the narrator and apparently he said I love the idea I love it <laughs> but you have to change the title and they said, what do you want it it should be how William Shatner changed the world and that's the title <laughs> so, so if you look up how William Shatner changed the world um, it's the uh, it, it's a pretty good documentary um, and it's not all about him, fortunately, but um, it gives some great examples of, uh, of how people who've um, seen uh, sci-fi technology 
and actually um, made something real out of it. And uh, the, the biggest thing from the early 1960s was um, the GPS technology that originally appeared in Goldfinger. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that great little DB5 and, you know, the panel goes up and you see where our Goldfinger is. And um, now we all have it in our pocket on the phone. So getting kind of tying that back to your idea of um, what you were discussing earlier about um, driverless cars and how easy it will be. Today, since we have our smartphones, we just go into um, apps and say, here's my address. And uh, you, you know, press literally one um, virtual button and it guides you turn by turn to where you want to go. And tomorrow, that technology will simply be connected to your car mm -hmm. and so you just sit and you do read a book or you do talk on the phone or something and your car makes all those decisions for you it's not calling out turn by turn because it's doing it all on its own and and that's the technology that is uh, for people of our generation will be even though you and I are involved in technology and participating in some of these uh, disruptive changes um, I think a driverless car is still our generation is going to be have the hardest time dealing with it. Yep, exactly. All right, very cool. Where can people find uh, what you're working on? Um, our website is uh, www.convergent-usa.com. And um, we're working with um, a lot of multinationals. Uh, not a lot of up-to-the-minute uh, information there, but it gives you, because a lot of what we're doing is confidential, and um, we have 65-page NDAs on some of the projects we're doing. Mm -hmm. But... Um, you can find out generally what we do and um, how we do it. All right, perfect. So this has been Technotopia, a podcast about a better future with Rob Anderson, uh, founder of Convergent Media Group. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week. See you later, Mamash. <laughs>